What's up, dude? Hey, how's it going? All things considered, it's going pretty good. <laughs> dude, I had I had you on two Wednesdays ago. I've I know. I've done twenty episodes in that stretch. I am. Oh my gosh. I am burned out, dude. I'm about to take. I have five days that I've scheduled off. I'm so excited to not do anything. My brain is fried. All right. So, yeah, I bet. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. So, do you want to introduce yourself again for those that didn't watch the last podcast? Yeah. So, um, I was on here a couple weeks ago, and uh, we got to talk a lot about powerlifting, about um, energy systems, trap slaps, business, <laughs> so all that good stuff. It was really fun, and apparently, we got quite a bit of questions from the audience which we is did. really cool yeah yeah more so than any congratulations other congratulations yeah. on the subscribers yeah thank you that's no, awesome yeah no more congratulations to you because every other podcast maybe had like two questions every like five guests someone would be like hey can you ask them that i got like 30 about yours so that just blows the oh rest of gosh. them out of water yeah so yeah not might do all of them might not I'm just gonna go through and find some of the more interesting ones. I'll leave their names out for privacy's sake. Um, okay, so the first one I got, and actually the more uh, common question I got, so I kind of pushed them in together into one, was um, how has it changed the way you see yourself? A lot of girls grow up wanting to be skinny or pretty or curvy or sexy or whatever, insert trait here, usually based on what we see in conventional and social media. Has powerlifting changed the way that she relates to these images or the way she thinks about her own image? So, easier way, how has all this changed your own body image? Because I don't think there's a human on earth that doesn't have some sort of body issue, body image issue, some something on the spectrum of body dysphoria, be it anorexia, be it bodybuilders that think they're too small, whatever. Yeah, so I think a lot of women who have grown up with fitness tend to start with bodybuilding, at least in the past. So bodybuilding is a way, or CrossFit is a way that women got into or learned about eventually powerlifting. And um, I think what powerlifting does is it allows women to still be active while accepting what they look like. Mm -hmm. So that's a powerful thing because people want to um, box you into a corner saying, you know, why, if you work out all the time, why aren't you skinny or why don't you have abs or X, Y, Z? But training isn't about how you look. It's about performance. The dieting aspect is what changes, you know, your body fat levels um, in either direction. Mm-hmm. So I think powerlifting is a good way for women to get into lifting without worrying about, you know, how much they weigh, what they look like, mm-hmm. and all that. So I think that's really powerful for for women. For me, um, I mean, I it's it's kind of, I guess, unique in the way that. I was always performance-based. I wanted to do a pull-up. I wanted to be able to lift weights. Um, I wanted to be able to do things with my body, you know? So yeah, I was sucked into bodybuilding for a while because people told me, you know, you should look a certain way or you should um, you should have a certain body fat percentage to get sucked into that. Um, but if it's not true to your personality, if that's not truly what you want and what you gravitate towards, eventually you're not going to do it anymore. Mm. And I know even now, like I'm between weight classes and I haven't filled out my weight class and I haven't gone down to the next weight class because my body likes to sit here. And so, yeah, I go through phases of should I diet or should I gain? And at the end of the day, it's like with powerlifting, it doesn't really matter. And I like that. I like that I can focus on something outside of what I look like. Mm -hmm. So mm-hmm all righty perfect answer um so another one you, you made a joke about this last time in the previous episode you said your boyfriend always jokes and calls you a feminist but <laughs> but what but one joke one not one joke one question i got was um and again asked multiple ways condensed into one 
how has her concept of the feminine evolved or has your concept of the feminine evolved and if so how or just feminism female empowerment how has powerlifting done anything with that is it carried over from the physiological strength to a mental confidence or a mental strength or with your business you know it's we joked mm-hmm. last time you know people may see you and you go oh that's you know that's daddy's girl like oh she gets to work from home and you're like no you haven't seen the thousands of hours of grinding right so yeah for sure so it's again it's kind of a unique perspective because of my platform i have to be careful about how i portray myself um, because it does impact a lot of women and um, before i was I was actually very um, critical of myself because I didn't look like I lifted weights, even though I was really strong. And that's what a lot of power lifters kind of um, experience is that we're able to move a lot of weight, but we might not necessarily look like, you know, big muscles shredded or whatever. And so people will look at you and be like, oh, you lift? Like, I didn't know. And it used to hurt my feelings, but now um, I like it. So like I said in the last podcast, Um, I I could troll people and be like, oh, yeah, what is that? And then they'll never think I lift. And then I could show them and they'll be um, surprised. But I think it takes a long time and a lot of self-acceptance to be like, you know, um, it's okay for me to look the way I look. And um, what for me personally, I think a lot of women um, aspire for like a certain type of physique. And so I have to make sure to say that even though I have a certain physique, that doesn't mean that's going to be what you have if you do what I do. And mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to look like you you lift. It's okay to not look like you lift. It's okay to have wider hips. It's okay to have narrower hips. So I think what powerlifting has done for me is it's, it's shown me that women of all shapes and sizes can do it and they can look how they look. And there's not one thing that's feminine and one that's not because if if you're a woman and that's how you look that's That's feminine right that's a woman yeah so um so i have been told like i'm on the more feminine side but that doesn't mean that that's the right thing and it doesn't mean that that's the wrong thing it's just how i happen to and so for women who who want a certain look, I think it's okay to, to want to look a certain way and to work toward that. And that's more bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. But for powerlifting, it's, you know, I want to lift heavy weights. So I'm going to look how I look when I do it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Um, so this one is um, just kind of more of an easy question. What's your favorite exercise? What's the, what's your absolute favorite one to do in the gym? Like what's for, and for what reasons? <clears throat> So I'm going to go with squat and usually typically it's been the back squat but now I'm I really gravitate toward the front squat and it's because like gains are so hard to come by and front squat was a relatively new thing that I incorporated regularly it's very humbling so I didn't I tried to avoid it um but once I started doing it and I started progressing Some so full about moving the gains have been slow for me at this point that doing front squats now um i'm pring all the time and it just you, feels really good it, yeah it, it, fro- it froze up right when you start right when you said humbling it, it froze until like two seconds ago no I'm okay so, i'm sorry um no worries no it's it's humbling to kind of to do the front squats and um, to be weak at it when my back squat is so strong. Mm -hmm. So I like practicing it now because now I make gains like all the time I hit PRs in the front squat. So it makes me feel good to be back in the gym and and hitting, you know, new numbers on a weekly or biweekly basis. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. What is, I guess my own question, what is the difference between front squat and back squat? Is that, is that like self-explanatory? like kind of so um it's a question i like to ask my students because it's like um a popular it's a popular question but it's also intuitive if you think about it so back squat is just you load it um on your back 
So you can even do it with kettlebells if you hold them behind you or whatever the loading mechanism is. It doesn't matter as long as the weight is behind your center line. So if I were to cut myself in half, it's behind. Mm -hmm. And then the front squat's the opposite. So if you're holding anything in front of you, dumbbells, barbell, whatever it is, if it's in front of you, it's in front of your center of gravity, right? So that's that's basically what the front squat is. It changes your mechanics a little bit. Um, but you're you're basically in, in a very similar position. Is that so? You said you've been hitting uh, PRs on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. Is that something that you think will slow down? Do you think it's oh like, for sure really? Of really? course. Is that is that is that crushing if that, when that happens? Um, absolutely. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> it sucks a lot. Um, it's it's one of the hardest things about training for so long. Um, I was actually talking to my boyfriend about it today. I said, I only PR'd like 15 pounds on my squat. I have a big squat, but I've only PR'd 15 pounds in the last five years. Yeah. That's kind of embarrassing yeah. for me. So I'm like, I need to get it together and start moving more weight because this is, this is you know, it's becoming you, pathetic. I guess it's, it's, it's more, I guess this is, it makes more sense for powerlifting. How, how do you break through like plateaus? Because I, I guess with bodybuilding, it that might not matter as much. So much as like if the you know if the visual is this, then no one care. You know, you, like my friends who are bodybuilders, you know, they talk about before competitions, they'll you know they'll be sitting there with like you know five pound weights just pumping up. But that's all about how it looks. How do you break through plateaus in in a field that really is? I mean, it's entirely numbers. Yeah, so honestly, um, what I've found is it's not even the program itself, it's how you perform the lift. So if you think about it for, let's say for the back squat, right, you have a barbell on your back and you know someone like me who squats in the 300 range, my leg press, people like to say, oh, I leg press this much weight when people are like, oh, nobody really cares about the leg press, but think about the leg press people who can squat X amount of weight can usually double or triple that number on the leg press, right? Yeah. So let's say we're, we're being conservative and saying double. If you can move 300 pounds on the squat, but 600 pounds on the, de- on the leg press, I'm sorry, I was about to say deadlift. I don't know if I mixed my words, yeah. but um, so what is the difference there? You're still using your legs for both, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you could tell me one difference between the leg press and the squat, what would that be? Back, back muscles, right? No. Well, yeah, you're very close. Okay, so <sighs> the leg press stabilizes you, right? Oh yeah. So you're, you're pressing against something, you're bracing against something, and you're just using your legs. So, so the legs have that power, but when you no. put a barbell on your back, you, gotta... you have Exactly, it's stability. So you have from where the barbell sits to where your legs, uh, for your main movers, where they are, that needs to be able to hold that weight and stabilize Uh, you. So So if you have a weak core, if you have a weak back, if you're not able to stabilize under that load, you're not gonna make it. But if you're able to stabilize, so a lot of what I teach is stability. It's how do you stay as stable as possible so that you can move that load. I'm not worried about your leg strength. I know it's there. Yeah. It's everything else. Okay. Right? Okay. So so to get your like squat up, would you do so could you like I guess could you like work around it? What would you do? Would you do like abdominals or obliques or would that is that a way that you could sort of I guess dance around it if you feel like you're hitting a plateau absolutely but so not so much that you would replace the squats with with all that work but you have to add that work and so one of the reasons i do front squats is because of the loading pattern so um with front squats you're gonna dip forward right so you want to lean back into it so it it makes you have a more upright body position so that you can make the lift. Mm-hmm. And so with the back squat, it's the same thing. You wanna keep an upright body position so that you don't fold over so your hips don't shoot up, mm-hmm. right? So you wanna get back under the bar. Mm-hmm. So having a nice strong back, even your upper back, your upper back, your erectors, your uh, core, all of that play a part in keeping you nice and stable. So a lot of back work is important, a lot of um, low back. Back work, upper back work, and abdominal work for sure. All right. 
So is there any, is there anything you would, what would leg press be utilized for? Is, is there still any benefit in there? Is that something that's just kind of like looked down upon in powerlifting? Like that doesn't really count? Or is there something that you could, you could use that to your advantage? It's, it's an isolation. So you can really just mm-hmm. jack up one muscle. So is there, is there a place for that in your training? Definitely. So I, I do like leg press. I do enjoy doing it, not just because it boosts my ego a little bit after not being able to yeah. lift very heavy, but um, I do think it has a place. I mostly use it as a bodybuilding accessory movement. So um, if I use my squat, I'm usually not doing my squat in high enough volume for it to be a stimulus for muscle growth. Mm-hmm. So my muscle growth stimulus will come from my accessory okay. movement like the leg press. Okay. And so you have to have muscle to move weight, but you, but I don't want to be squatting, you know, sets of 12. So I leg press sets of 12. Um, not right now, but but I have in the past incorporated leg press. And also it's a good movement to do with one leg at a time in case you have those imbalances from squatting, okay. you know, bilaterally all the time. You can do some unilateral work and just work on, you know, if you have a weaker left leg or non-dominant leg, you can kind of do, use the leg press and then match it with your stronger leg, kind of try to even it out. So does that... Does one leg get stronger than the other when doing is is bilateral using both legs? I don't know any of the terms. Yes. Okay. It's Mm -hmm. it can. So how how would one get weaker if just from my uneducated mind with this, if you're doing squats, not on a machine, but just doing squats, how would one leg get weaker? Or is it just is it just like, you know, having like a dominant right arm, like no matter what, like your dominant one is you're just going to be better with it from wired to your brain differently to just you know every little movement that you use that one unconsciously more yeah so it can come from a lot of different um reasons so it could be from injury so some people if they have um an injury to their knee or something like that and they want to build back up it can also just happen from training so think of it this way if you're working with really loads your body works synergistically right so your muscles work in combination with each other so what happens is your um your muscles are firing and so there's some points where your muscles on your right side might be weaker some points where your muscles on your left side might be weaker and they help each other so that you can finish the movement right Mm -hmm. and so what happens is over time certain muscles help at certain times and other muscles help at other times and so your your muscles basically give each other a spot so hey i'll spot you here at this point of the movement i'll spot you here at this point of the movement so what happens is you can have you can start having a gap in um in strength levels for your leg um depending on which location of the movement it's in um and so that's kind of how the muscle disparity starts where you might lean over to one side more to use that leg because it's the stronger leg or um or even through a certain point of the movement we might see a hip shift and so these types of things over time where you do it so much you start seeing okay i'm leaning more to the left or my left leg is bigger or whatever it is and so um a way to correct that there's there's two ways i like to correct it um either by just mentally cueing like just use the other leg because your brain is telling your body right so just tell your body what to do but that's hard for a lot of people so then you can go in and say okay just do single leg work build that up so that you can build that better connection with that muscle Mm -hmm. so it can get stronger and so that maybe you're not afraid to use that leg a little bit more feel like you're gonna use it so it depends on the person and why why you have that weakness there okay okay you're you know you know far more about this stuff than me (laughs) that's that's why i'm having you on i do it (laughs) so much every day yeah um if you only have if you only have a little bit of time less than 30 minutes what do you do for the most impact what do you do to get the most bang for your buck if you just for whatever reason you got a million things going on and you got it you only have a little tiny slot in there what if you do anything what do you do for the most impact the most get the most out of your workout what i was about to say i would take a nap in 30 minutes (laughs) 30 minutes for me is not enough to even start my workout honestly my workouts 
they should be between two and three hours oh, for me to get get anything out of it. I, I don't think that that's, it's that way for everyone, mm-hmm. but for me personally, I would, that's, that's what I would have to do to really start seeing progress. I would also in 30 minutes, take a walk or, um, you know, work on my recovery, work on my cardio. Those are the types of things that I would work on in 30 minutes. Cause you have to understand that with powerlifting, by the time I warm up, cause I'm working with heavy weights, by the time I warm up at 30 minutes has passed already. Okay. So I have to be very careful not to um, jump right in. Cause it's, my body has to move the right way. And I have to make sure that I'm letting it move the way it needs to before I, I work with the heavy, heavier weights. Okay. So definitely take a walk, go do cardio, take a nap, eat a good meal. Recovery is everything. So, yeah. so yeah, you, yeah. So you don't want to jump into it cause you could, I'm just guessing you could really hurt yourself if you're not, you're not, you know, lifting the weight that you lift. Yeah. You could really hurt yourself if you're just like, let's just jump into it real quick. Let's just. Right? Yeah. And not even, not even that, but, um, if I, don't hurt myself, but I just get through my training, um, not paying attention to how I'm moving, not really building the best movement patterns, right? So I'm trying to teach myself every time I go in and do a rep to do it the exact same way. So if I go in and start erratically moving, I'm not teaching myself anything. So a lot of what I do is like, how am I moving? Make it the same every time. Cause when you go to competition, you basically get judged for how it looks. So if I'm not squatting to depth or if my, if, if there's up down movement or whatever, whatever mistakes I can make, I don't want to make those in training because I feel like it can translate into competition. So I didn't, in competition, you get judged on movement too. I thought it was, that was pure numbers. Kind of, because they want to make the the exercises as equivalent amongst people as possible. Sure. So there's certain things they look for, like um, like depth, squat depth. So it can't be super high because then what's a squat? And so they have their own definitions for uh, squat depth. So for USPA, it's you know the hip crease has to be below the knee, the top of the knee joint. Um, so you know you can't have some but is in the air pass a squat because then you'd have people hitting world records left and right. But um, so yeah, there there are certain things that that we look for, including like up down movement. So if you're going up and then you dip down and then you finish it, you get called for that. So if you so it, what's like the best you've ever hit on like a on like an incorrect form, like like ego boosting, like you know like 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 leg press. Is there if you ever just like you know. You just go down an inch or so, but you're like, okay, I just squatted a ton, like a literal ton. Oh man, I haven't, but that sounds fun. I think you definitely should. Just I should try that. Yeah, just mental. I don't know. Maybe it'd be. I don't know. You could do like a visualization <laughs> exercise. Be like, this is what it would feel like to squat six hundred. Like, I don't know. So I don't. So. Uh bench press because it's my weakest lift and so i don't know if you're familiar with what a slingshot is or yeah. pin presses or stuff like that but it allows you to overload and so um i've done like 200 or 205 for a few reps with my slingshot on and um i incorporate it into my training but it's not really for ego i also have a lot of clients who kind of watch what i do and i'm careful not to be an idiot sure. so yeah I try not to be an idiot, yeah. but sometimes it happens. <laughs> so, what, what, what is what is a slingshot? Um, a slingshot is basically of fabrics, like a stretchy material. Have you seen equipped lifting at all? Are you familiar? Okay, so I won't get into it. But basically, you wear it on your arms, oh. and it goes across across the chest. So now you know what I'm talking about. And as you bring the bar down, it stretches out. Uh, and then so at the bottom it provides that rebound effect okay. and so you're able to finish this portion a little bit easier and then you basically feel the full weight at the lockout okay my triceps are smoked from that actually <laughs> i'm so sore <laughs> um uh let's see do you have do you have a cheat day for dieting what is your cheat day like and yeah and alcohol on top of that alcohol do you have a low calorie drink of choice or is cheat day just include alcohol 
That is so funny. So if you go on my Instagram, did you see my Instagram post with my pizza? Yeah, it was brilliant. I crushed like half a box of pizza. Oh my gosh. I, I saw it. I, that's what I was like, spirit animal. I was like, that's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I'd call it a cheat day, but there are days where I'm just like, I just, I just need pizza or I just want XYZ. And um, I try to be mindful of how I do that because I, I usually will do it on a day where I haven't had much to eat. Um, and I've had a heavy training day or I'm about to have a heavy training day. And so I want to at least utilize some of that in a positive way mm-hmm. and not just like go all out. And so I, I balance that with just eating well most of the time. And so um, my my cheat will be like just one meal where I just eat whatever I want. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of alcohol, so me and, me and alcohol are friends. So... <laughs> I think anyone who has like high stress in their lives has something, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the way I incorporate alcohol, I don't drink during prep. So if I'm about to compete, I usually abstain a 100%. And um, my clients kind of taunt me sometimes because they're like, we have a glass of wine. You should have a glass of wine. I'm like, no, I don't do any of <laughs> no. so zero alcohol. Okay. Um, just because I, I feel like it's not worth it. Is that one drink going to do anything or just hinder my recovery? And mm-hmm. my training means a lot to me. If I'm working hard every day, I don't want to ruin that with alcohol. But on the flip side, in the off season, um, I incorporate alcohol. So I basically, if I have, let's say I'm eating 2000 calories a day and I want 500 calories from alcohol, I'll just take that out and then the rest of my day will be the rest of the calories. Mm-hmm. So try to prioritize my protein protein goal for the day, take the calories from carbs and fats and use that toward alcohol. Sometimes I go over. My thing is once I have alcohol in, in my system, how do I stop myself? I was about, from that, that's what I was going to ask is I, when in the past when I've dieted, I'd be like, okay, let's be like 1800. When I was at like my heaviest lifting, I'd be like 1800 just just for like, you know, protein and shit. And then I'd be like, alcohol is the rest. But it's a catch because then you have a thousand calories of alcohol. So if you have 10 shots of vodka, all of a sudden there's no like, and then we're not going to eat BS. You're like, five guys, pizza hot. You're like, get it going now. Tip the pizza, tip, tip the delivery guy double. Tell him to get here now. Yeah. So how do you do that? Or, or is it just, do you just accept that as like a, a fate? So here's the thing. And this is what I tell the girls. We all have lives, you know, we all have social events and stuff like that. And my whole thing is you got to pick one. Are you going to eat like trash or are you going to drink? Because you can't do both. Because and here's the thing. If you eat like trash, you need more alcohol in order to compound. Mm-hmm. But if you're not eating like trash, you have a couple drinks and you're good. You you get the effect of the alcohol without drowning in it. Mm-hmm. And so the, the problem is afterward, how do you convince yourself not to have the pizza and stuff? So lucky for me, I'm lazy. I would I never go out of my house for anything if I don't have to. So I don't um I don't go and get any junk food at all. If I have junk food at the house, I'll probably snack on it. Um, but I don't usually keep it, so I kind of, I kind of set myself up so that I don't do anything too crazy. Yeah. But I have like, I'll start cooking and stuff. It's stupid, <laughs> yeah. but no, it's... I'm like drunk cooking. I shouldn't be given a knife, but I use one anyway. <laughs> um. So kind of going back to the yeah let's go back to the so talking about stretching and stuff saying like 30 minutes isn't enough time to get in an effective workout you're just beginning mm-hmm. so one of the questions is um do i have to stretch if i'm doing powerlifting or lifting at all do i have to stretch do i have to stretch briefly how important in all caps do i have to okay so another thing we kind of cover in the courses I teach. So um, stretching is kind of a means to an end. And what I mean by that is I don't like to use that specific term. I I like to say mobilize. So, and the way I kind of define it is stretching kind of refers to muscles being stretched. 
but the muscles, you know, you don't necessarily want them to be stretched because you lose the rebound effect, right? So if you think about like a slingshot, if you, um, if you have a tight slingshot and you pull it back, it'll have a farther reach, right? But if that slingshot is loose, if the band is loose, then you're gonna, you're not gonna have as much of a mm-hmm. powerful output, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same for muscles. You don't want them to be too loose mm-hmm. because then you won't have that reflex. Um, but what I do like to do is mobilize, and what that is 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 not for the muscles; it's for the joints. Okay. Me. So meaning your ankles for squat, your ankles, your knees, your hips mainly, right? So, and then your shoulder, because you want to get back into that position. And so um, I do mobility work that that gets those joints in the positions I need them to be at the bottom of a squat. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I can do that, I'm good to go. I don't, I don't do extra stretching in addition to that. How, how long does that normally take to do? Um, Depends how much tightness I have, but usually no more than like 10 to 15 minutes mm-hmm. okay and so kind of in the, on that same line of thought you said it you know 30 minutes i'm just getting started so i don't know how to word this is it kind of on the same spectrum of stretching or mobilizing what do you do do you start with lighter weights is it what's what's the <laughs> rational rationale behind it like in or do you go start big because you just get it all out of the way first or is that a terrible mindset what what do you do <laughs> so um the answer to everything is it depends but i'm going to give you an example okay. so if i'm coming into the gym and it's a cold day i will hop on some cardio machine usually my bike is my favorite or elliptical or whatever it is rower um, to get my core temperature elevated. Okay. I don't do this in the summer because my temperature is already high, mm-hmm. higher than it is in the winter. So if I need to elevate my temperature, that's what I do. So that doesn't take any more than five minutes at a moderate pace or even at a slow pace, depending. And um, I'll do that. And then I will do body weight movements, like a body weight squat, see how it feels. How is my body moving? And then from there, I'll do foam rolling. So foam rolling, I do briefly through my whole body. It it makes me feel good, loosens some things up. And then I foam roll my calves because you're walking around all day, you get knots in your calves. I have really tight ankles. It really helps, um, helps me mobilize my ankles. And then I'll do my um, my mobilization routine, which I have one on YouTube. If people are curious, maybe you can link to my um, mobilization for my squat and bench. I have both of them on YouTube. And then uh, once I do that, I um, also the mobilization routine, I'll get back under the bar. So just empty bar, see how that feels, see how I'm moving. And then if I need to do more, then I'll do more at that point. And then from there, I do the bar for several reps. And then I work up in weight and work down in reps. And as I'm doing that, I start putting on my gear. So gear, meaning my knee wrap, my knee sleeves will go on first. Usually I'll do a set with my, just my knee sleeves, usually barefoot because I have to take off my shoes to get my sleeves on. And then I, I go with just my sleeves and my shoes. So I wear specific shoes for squats. And then I'll do a set with that. And then I do um, the next set might be my, one of my last warm up sets. I might do it with my belt. And um, the belt is one of the last things I put on. And then if I'm doing really heavy weight, I'll use my wrist wraps. So usually I don't, I just don't like wearing them, but I should. Um, I'll put on wrist wraps. So I kind of have this sequence Your that I go through and ritual. I slowly add in my, uh, my equipment as I, as I get more intense. Okay, so I just question off the top of my head. Um, what 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 are the what are the benefits of, of using? Can you okay? Can you use all of that equipment during a competition? And you can. And mm-hmm, absolutely, okay. yeah. So okay, so it, there's no problem with training with it and then having to not use it. What what all is it? Is the I guess very basically does it. Does it just help you perform better with certain movements or some, or does it help 
restrict poor movements. Like you can do everything, but it almost it won't let you do X, Y, and Z and hurt yourself. Or is it it helps you launch? And I don't know anything okay. about it. Educate me. Okay, so the knee sleeves. We can start with the knee sleeves. Yeah. What that does for me is it keeps my knees warm. I've found that if I don't use knee sleeves and I try to train because I have such long rest periods, um, my knees will get cold and then I'll start getting knee pains. So that's the main thing I use it for is, is just the temperature. And um, the secondary thing I use it for is the pressure. So the increased pressure, I use very tight sleeves or I try to, um, the increased pressure helps with the rebound effect. So it kind of acts as a cushion and it, um, it helps it's made out of neoprene so it helps you um, get kind of a rebound effect from it from the bottom Um, so people say it has like maybe adds like 20 pounds of carryover something like that so not crazy amount but enough to help and then um, the shoes what the shoes do is um, that was for any that was one of the questions that was one of the questions actually is is what kind of shoes does she wear okay Awesome. So uh, I tell people if you're doing strength sports or any type of lifting, you should probably wear flat canvas shoes like Chuck's Vans, something that's not cushion because the cushion is for running because it's impact. It's supposed to um, absorb it. Right. So if you're trying to exert maximal force, you should have as little shock absorption as possible. And so the closest to not having anything is having something flat. So that's what I use for most things. Um, but for squats in particular, I use uh, lifters. So they're squat shoes or lifter shoes or weightlifting shoes where they have a higher heel and the higher heel helps you get deeper into the squat. Okay. So it, it makes it so that you need less ankle mobility, right? So if, you're, if you can picture it in your head, um, you would need more flexion in order to get into the bottom of a squat versus if you're in a heel it kind of you can have less flexion in the bottom of a squat okay so um ankle so it helps me get into the bottom of a squat so and then for the um we'll move on to what was next the belt so the belt um if you remember the leg press right the leg press you brace against it and you can push more weight so okay, in uh, in the same or similar way, you can brace against a belt, and you can it helps increase the intra abdominal pressure, so you can move more weight. And then um, for the wrist wraps, it just it acts as wrist stability here, keeps it nice and tight, so that you don't you know bend back yeah. and control that bar a little better. Yeah. Now for your ankles, when you're wearing shoes, mm-hmm. do you? I don't know if you if you said this and it went over my head. Do you wear something to, I guess, prevent like sideways movement? Like I figure if you have all that weight, you know, I don't you want your, you know, your ankles just going like sideways or something. Or is that is that part of the training? You have to directly up and down. It's that's what the belt is for. It helps, I guess, vertical mobile or horizontal mobilization. I haven't seen that happen to anyone. Really. Oh, all right. Yeah, but that's an interesting question. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah, anybody. It just yeah, it seems like roll if, an ankle or anything. There's so much weight, and it's all coming down right there. It seems like just the the slightest movement could be amplified by that. You know, three hundred pounds on your shoulders. Just all right. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to give you bad juju. I hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I um, hope it doesn't happen to me. Oh my yeah, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, every. Every girl asked about alcohol. Um, um, okay, but yeah, we already, we already touched on that. Thoughts on Instagram fitness pages and which ones are fake? But I'm not entirely sure what that means. Is it okay? Or I guess how do you how can you tell if it's if it's genuine advice or do I just need to do an online co- like yourself? You said you do online. You have online clients. So yeah, I guess I'm not entirely sure what that question is, but. I think I think I have a little bit of um, an understanding of what they're asking. Like, who do you follow on Instagram? Who's a good person to get advice from? Um, There's a lot of of good people on there, but for the most part, it's hard. It's going to be hard to tell who to follow unless you're a professional yourself. Mm -hmm. 
And there really is no, aside from entertainment, there's no real reason to follow people on Instagram for information because that's that's just not where where I would yeah. go for that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but people do because it's kind of convenient. Oh, I get entertainment and education. Um, you got to be careful with that. And even myself, I um, I've had to dial back on the trolling that I do. I'm I'm a giant troll. I get it from my dad in my defense. So I, I, I blame him. Hey, if you have hey, questions, trolls, go to him. Trolls wife. I get yeah. it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, and so. Um, it's just in in my personality. I assume people understand, which is a that, false assumption. That you're joking. But um, I posted like wood glue, and I said my favorite face wash, <laughs> you know. And like I assume that people understand hitting, but who knows if there's someone who's like, oh, it's face wash too. I can go out there and go and you know it can double as face wash, and I could glue my wood. Yeah. There's people out there who will take things literally, so you have to be careful. Not everything translates over over um instagram i'm lucky enough i work with a lot of really smart people and mm -hmm. so they're like oh mel's is just in her in her troll mode let's ignore her so um it's not a good good place to get information and that's not where i like to go to give information either mm -hmm. a lot of people don't um don't see this side of me because i'm not on ig preaching oh this is how you do fitness things i don't think that's the place for it yeah. what i do use instagram for is to showcase my clients successes mm. so um on my team page team powerlifting if they have competitions i'll post their results i'll post uh videos of you know um people training or um i sometimes i do demo videos if i get asked a lot but usually it's just showcasing things i'm just showing you what we're doing i'm trying to teach very much on there um, because part of part of what I do is I customize training programs for the person and there's so many ways to do something so if someone does a squat and it doesn't reach parallel is that wrong and a lot of powerlifting pages say yes it's wrong because that's not how powerlifters do it but what if I'm not a powerlifter yeah yeah what if, you're just what doing if I squats? play football yeah what if I, you know, what if I, there's so many what ifs. And so I'm not going to go on there and say, this is how you should do things when there's many ways to do something. Now I can say how I do it, how a powerlifter does it or why I've prescribed it a certain way. But beyond that, I don't, I really think the people who go on there and say there's one right way and there's one wrong way, they want to kind of attract those same extremist type of mindsets because mm. it's kind of a sexy thing to say, you're mm. wrong, I'm right, yeah, yeah. I'm, I know more than you and all this stuff. And I don't think it's the place for it because you can argue anything to death and I'm, I'm not about to use an entertainment platform Form yeah. to argue over something you know so um to answer the it's a multi-fold question uh, yeah to answer the second part is online coaching worth it so um or who do i go for online coaching there are certain um go to mail i'll try to help you if i can <laughs> and if i can't i'll refer you to someone um, so there's certain things to look for with an online coach. It, one of them is client results. I think that's the most important one because it doesn't matter what the person looks like. I see so many fitness Instagram coaches that never post client results. And um, what that says to me is you look good or you are strong or you do this or that. That doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. What can you do for me? Because yeah. I'm paying you to do it for me. That's yeah. one. Um, Second thing is, so I would look at the clients and see what exactly, because people can find pictures of transformations and post it and pretend it's their own. Mm -hmm. Do they link back to their clients? Can you see what their progress has been like over the years? Okay. Can you see what they've done to achieve that? And is it achievable for you? I think it kind of sucks. I get um, a lot of my clients say, oh, well, this coach posted a transformation in six weeks, the client has abs. And to me, it's like, it kind of sucks that you did that because now my client feels like they're not getting they're what getting they should get out of their training. And they're not realistic goals. This person could have come from, uh, this person, person could have come from all walks of life. They could have gained weight and then lost it. Or it could have been a really old picture and a really new picture. It could be so many things. Um, or they could have starved themselves and yeah. I don't I don't do that to my clients. Yeah. So um, so that's what I would look for. Another thing is um, 
you want to look at some type of credentials. And I say that very carefully because people like to harp on credentials like they don't matter because you can know things without credentials. But I always say, if you know it, go take the test, right? If it's so easy, go take the test. Are you telling me that you're lazy? Yeah. That you don't, you're too good for the test? What are you telling me? Yeah. So um, I think that's a poor excuse. If it's so easy to get the credentials, get them. Mm. Um, That's important to me. Another, um, there's so many things I I would look for. Personality is huge. I noticed a lot of accountants, a lot of nurses gravitate toward me. Usually a lot of crazy people, they're going to be watching this. So um, shout out to my crazies. There's a certain personality that gravitates toward a certain type of person, right? And that's because I'm a very data oriented person. I'm a numbers person. I'm a spreadsheets person. People are going to love working with me if they love stuff like that or if they gravitate toward that. But there's certain people who will be will not like that. They won't want to fill out the spreadsheets. They won't want to send in videos. They won't want that data type of feedback. Um, so they would have to find the type of person who fits their personality. Like I have um, Stephanie. I've talked about her in my in the last podcast I did. She's very she's similar to me in a lot of ways, but she's also very different. So when I talk to a potential client and they say, um, you know, I have poor habits centered around food, I don't deal with those types of clients. Stephanie's amazing with those types of clients. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, food is numbers. Food is you put something Input, in output. and it gives you something out. Yeah. And um, the emotions tied to it, the habits tied to it, Stephanie's really good at reprogramming people in that way. Mm-hmm. And so I think she's perfect for that. So it depends. So personality. Um, and then, of course, price. So that's um, that's a really important thing. It's an important factor to consider. I've seen people pay atrocious amounts of money thinking that they're going to get a, the you know, better results. I want people to think of training as this, this, okay, so you're going to get what you put into the program. It doesn't matter if you pay $5 or $5,000, you're not going to get better results based on that money. Mm. Um, what you're paying for, yes, it's the person's experience, it's the person's um, education, it's the person's knowledge, the time they're going to spend on you. Um, but beyond that, um, more isn't better and less isn't better. So when you're when you're figuring out that um, the budget for yourself, I think it's a very personal thing. Find someone who fits within your budget and then see what your needs are. Like, do you need constant encouragement and support and contact? Do you need phone calls? Do you need in-person video? There's so many factors to consider. And um, I like, I wish I could do things for people for free. And I totally would if I could, uh, because I realize there's people who have budgets, there's people and because more um, who have not as much of a socioeconomic um, foundation. So if they come from a poorer background or they um, are less educated with nutrition and fitness, why should they not have the same access to resources as someone who has more? And so I think that really sucks. And I and I think it's important to cater to those people too. But I hate that those types of people do fall into traps where um, where they get played out of their money, they don't trust the fitness industry and they quit. Mm. So the, it's a double-edged sword. And part of how I kind of try to get around that is offering different price packages for people. So on the lower end, pay five bucks or like 24 bucks per month for training program and guidance. Um, On the higher end, you have the one-on-one in-person video, whatever it is. And then in the middle, you have templates, you know, I'll write you a program, follow it at the end of it, see how it was. And I could write you a different one. Mm. So it's like all, all um, people from all walks of life can kind of utilize it depending on, you know, um, on their budget. So what, what I was going to say, what are your favorite types of clients, but I don't don't want, I don't want to put other clients in a position of feeling like they're not your favorite. So 
Well, be. I'll tell you. Okay. I found mine. <laughs> yeah. Shoot, I got not. My clients, honestly, are like a second family to me. Okay. Like we're so close. I talk to them all the time. I tell them my feelings. You know, like, and um, I feel like we have that trust because. I know they they trust in me, I trust in them. And so I can say, I like this about you and I like this about her. And it's like, okay, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, you know? So um, I do, I like, since I'm such a data numbers person, I like people who can give me very specific feedback. So I like people who can be, who can execute, who can be very um, mindful in their delivery, um, who can um, provide me feedback in a timely manner. I'm very kind of controlling sometimes and I like things to be a certain way. And so um, I was actually giving one of my clients grief the other day. Uh, I turned it into a boys versus girls debate. It's really not, it's a personality, but I was like, look, my girls follow directions so well, my boys don't follow directions at all, and they do whatever they want. And um, it's obviously a joke, but I mean, there's a trend there, okay? That's all I'm gonna say. And so I tend to find that women are very meticulous, very thoughtful, very understanding, and they want to do well, and so they follow directions. Um, I'd rather if if someone doesn't do well, I want it to be my fault, sure. not theirs, sure. because if it's my fault, I can change it. If it's your fault, I have to yell at you and then I'll, I'll feel bad. Right. And so um, I was telling uh, one of my clients, I, I won't name names, but I was like, listen, you did something you weren't supposed to. If you don't do well in your competition, I'm going to come after you. And put some fear fear mm-hmm. in there and he, he did what he was supposed to do. I was really happy with the outcome, but put the fear you know, of God in um, Yeah, so there's definitely there's definitely a, a type of client that that I really like. I like all my clients, so I can't say I can't pick on any yeah. of them and say I don't I don't like this cuz I I like all of them. If yeah. I didn't, I wouldn't work with them. Yeah. So Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. My yeah, I mean, being one of four boys, I would I would argue that it's yeah there's a certain level of certain level of chaos and insanity that comes with a group of of males for better or worse but like nonetheless just a certain level of do the opposite yeah yeah do the i went to private catholic school i had long hair because i wasn't allowed to have long hair second i went Mm -hmm. to college it's been this way for 10 years it's because i no longer had yeah so certain yeah certain (laughs) inherent jerkiness yeah um Okay. The what about the infamous back fat in the bra strap area? Is the, the the feared the feared back fat? Is there any way to combat that, or is that just calories in, calories out? So, all fat is going to be genetic in terms of where it lands on your body. It's unique to the individual. You can't spot reduce except with surgery so you know fortunately and unfortunately you know you you'd have to go under the knife if you were to specifically reduce but with diet what happens is you you lose overall body fat and so that might be one of the places you lose body fat from mm-hmm. uh, but you can't target it so it kind of sucks but uh, if you were to gain muscle and lose fat you can kind of shape your body sure. and eventually you know it's gonna look um more pleasing to you if you're if you're trying to reduce your body fat so sure um what what battles do women facing changes during menopause face who would want to start powerlifting or start lifting are there certain things that they have to approach differently than younger women would so um it's a very interesting question. I a majority of my clients have already experienced um, menopause or postmenopausal 
there are benefits and drawbacks to that. And so when you're going through menopause, I think everybody experiences it a little bit differently. Uh, but post-menopause, there, there can be a, a bunch of positives and negatives. So your hormones change, right? But your hormones are also a little bit more stable in terms of you don't have that cycle of mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm strong, okay, I'm weak, I'm mm-hmm. strong, I'm weak. So it's, it's a little bit more stable. And um, in terms of um, your hormonal balance, uh, you could be the type of person who, and it's again, genetic, where you see more strength gains just because maybe your testosterone's a little higher, your estrogen's a little lower. Uh, and then uh, what I like to say, I think it's great to, to age in this sport and in um, bodybuilding especially because uh, if you look at a younger bodybuilder they have more subcutaneous fat versus someone older they start losing the the fat underneath their their skin just naturally due to aging and so you could see their muscles better they look leaner you know so there's that positive too so I don't see it as a bad thing to go through the aging process. It's actually, there's a lot of benefits that can come from it too, so. Okay. Um, my bodybuilder friends, where did your drive <laughs> come from to to wanna be able to lift heavy ass weight? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I saw that question. I was like, do I have the drive? Um, well, clearly you do. I mean, you, you, that don't, it's not a question of whether or not you do because you clearly quote lift heavy ass weight. It's, I mean, I almost feel like I have no option. Like, what am I, what do I do if I don't lift heavy weights? When I first started, I had no intention of lifting a massive amount of weight. I had mm-hmm. no concept. I remember being at my college my university gym and like I just crushed 95 pound squat and 155 pound deadlift I took I remember the picture I I took a picture of my foot on the deadlift bar and I was like I'm a badass (laughs) and um now after working with so many women I'm like some of these women lift more than that their first day with me and I felt so accomplished yeah after months and months of working it's just a difference of of like genetics, what you've done before, all that stuff. But um, I the my whole mindset after reading about lifting and how people progress was if you put more weight on the bar, you're pro- you're progressing, right? Your body's doing something it couldn't do last time, and so that was kind of the. Um, I guess the addiction part for me where I was like, what am I gonna do next? What am I gonna do next? And each time I tried to get a little bit stronger and eventually people you know, were like, do you compete? Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of what started it for me is just wanting to progress. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything but seeing what my body could do, okay. you know? Okay. Let's see. Uh, keto. Do you do keto? Is keto something that you can? Is that a diet you can do while doing? <laughs> okay, while doing powerlifting, or is that? Is it? Is it choose keto powerlifting? Choose one. No, there's there's a lot of people who do keto and who do powerlifting. So Just um, not your cup of tea. I I like I don't like restricting anything. I'll just put it that way. For me, I don't feel it's mentally healthy, but some people do really well with restriction. Some people need that. Uh, for me, it, it led, for me, knowledge and understanding what food is doing in my body, it, it was very enlightening and very, it helped me get to my body comp goals because mm-hmm. I knew what the result was. When people don't have the understanding, they're looking for a solution. Mm. And I think that's fair to look for, for look for solutions because not everybody has the time to study all this stuff. And so what I tell people and what I, what I did uh, and what I do for everything until I run out of things to do is just try it, mm. try it. So what's the worst that can happen? You do it for a couple months, you're gonna see for yourself if it works, if it doesn't, and who's the best person to answer that question for you, it's gonna be yourself. Um, I can tell you the scientific viewpoint and my personal experience, um, 
And my personal experience is it sucks because it's hard and I like to eat potatoes and, you know, I like sugar and candy uh, and I like vegetables. I like fruit. I like salads. I love food. So I don't like to restrict and I'm not really a big meat person. I eat it because I have to, but eggs and bacon seems nice until you do it a lot. And maybe some people could do it forever. I can't. Um, but yeah, it got old, it got tiring. And then in terms of the scientific perspective, um, it, it having carbs fuels your training. So you need the carbs in order to work out effectively, efficiently. And, you know, people say all the time you adapt. Yes, you adapt, but is it optimal? Mm. That's the question you need to ask. And when you're at the elite levels, you need to think about optimal. And what I hear often is, well, during competition, I'll carb up, but aside from competition, I'm going to do keto. So you admit that you carb up because it's important for your performance, but you refuse to have carbs in your system during training, Training. which if your training, if your performance increases during training, you're going to have a significantly greater training effect during competition, but you're eliminating like Let's say you do three sessions per week for 12 weeks. That's 36 times you could have had better performance that you didn't, but you, it just doesn't make sense to me. But you know, if it, if it's something that helps people control their weight, control their whatever, I'm all for it. Whatever makes people happy. Is that, I think I could see, I think I could see the scolding coach come out. (laughs) I was like, I was just asking the question. Don't, don't kill the messenger. Tommy, if you don't do this and if you, okay, okay, okay. Um, okay um what's what was the what's the most difficult thing with dealing with with gym bros and gym culture i'm not entirely sure what that means but then again i'm a guy so yeah no i totally get it okay i have um (laughs) i have a rant video on my youtube about that um it irritates me to no end there is a lack of respect um and i don't think they even realize it so i don't think that it's their fault but it's still annoying to deal with and so um and i think jim you can actually speak on that behalf if people are disrespectful in the gym but the gym bro culture meaning i'm trying to do a set and you're walking in front of me picking weights off of my platform off of my Mm. cage or talking to me while I'm training or talking to me while I'm with a um, just general uh, lack of etiquette in the gym. And what happened for me, it's it's easier, I think, than for a lot of women, because I, I have a, an assertive personality. A lot of people don't have assertive personalities or they don't want to stir the boat or feel like they're doing something wrong. Um, it took a long time to get there, but I tell people, hey, when I'm doing this, I expect to be treated this way. Mm. And most of the time the response is, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And I believe that. I believe they genuinely sure. don't know, but they need to be told in order to change their behavior. Sure. And so glaring or having bad feelings about it or talking about it privately doesn't help, but telling the person will help. Hmm. So just let them know about their behavior. Like, hey, I would appreciate if you waited until I was done with my set in order for you to take weights off of my whatever it is. Sure. Or, you know, just tell them. Yeah, don't talk to me. I have headphones in. Don't talk to me. I feel like like that's a universal, like, sign language almost. It's just like, dude, headphones, like, you know, I don't want to talk. How do you... Have you injured yourself or been injured and how do you, what is the, what are the mental challenges with coming back after a week, a month, six months and not being able to put up the numbers that you were prior or having higher body fat? What is the mental, yeah, what is the mental aspect of it? How do you overcome that? How do you not let that keep you down? So I have been injured. I had a Honestly, at the time, it didn't seem like a very bad back injury, but it was just this nagging, pinching feeling in my back. After taking a long time off, I went too hard, too fast, and um, felt a little tweak, and I kind of didn't do things that aggravated that tweak. I eventually thought I would see a physical therapist for it. 
working with him made it worse uh, to the point where mid session of working with a client, I felt my back completely seize up and I had to stop and collect my breath. And um, I I thought I would never be training again, never train people, never, because it was to the point where I was in so much pain. I had a desk job at the time. I would get up from my desk and go to the bathroom every so often to cry because I was in pain from sitting, standing, nothing comforted the pain. Um, crazy enough, I, I went um, hunting for a chiropractor. Uh, I said, I, I walked into his office, I said, I want to interview your chiropractor, which is like, so, as, I'm, as, I have some nerve, sort of, I was about to say, back to your sort of personality. Coming in. I have, yeah, I have some nerve, honestly, but I was sick and tired of dealing with chiropractors who didn't give me care. Sure. And um, so they're like, oh, sure. The guy took me back and we talked for so long for probably like an hour or two hours. Told me about his kids, the people he worked with. Um, I was like, oh, this guy's awesome. And so he took me back. He's like, I'll just do your, your consult right now. He had like a two week waiting list and he spent all that time with me. And he did my consult and literally within two weeks, he fixed my back That's and I amazing. never had the pain again. That's amazing. And this was a two year pain I had. That's amazing. It wasn't, yeah, so it was crazy. And so I I know the feeling of being defeated, feeling defeated and feeling like, I'm, am I gonna be disabled? Am I gonna have to have people care for me? It was that bad. And um, so now I I don't think about Oh, when am I going to be able to make those gains? I'm appreciative of the fact that I could do anything, mm. including work, including train. I have so much appreciation that I have all my limbs and that I'm healthy mm. and that um, and I knew I knew the strength would eventually come back. I had I had no idea um, when and my first meet when I got back, my first competition in New York, um, after, um, after that injury, oh my gosh, it's so emotional for me. Yeah, I had lifts because I hit like all the New York state records Holy and like, cow. I just, I was just in disbelief. People thought I hurt myself cause I just started crying after deadlifting. I was just like, oh my God, I'm so happy. I was just so happy that I could even do anything. And I never thought I would have competed again. And just, I just, I have so much appreciation that I could do anything that I don't even think about the things I'm not getting out of it. So. I don't think I can follow up with any questions after that. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was, that was amazing. That was, that was, you broke New York state left or records. That's, that's insane. I did. That is insane. Yeah, it was, it was insane at the time. Yeah. That's, very insane. Well, I, I, I don't want to give away her identity, but she's an extended family member that did powerlifting and injured herself. And she said that's what's those are her questions, you know, really discouraging. Mm -hmm. So you, you just need to say shout out, Colleen. That'll help her. Shout out, Colleen. You can do it. She I believe in you. She, she will love it. You have no idea how much that will mean to her. <laughs> we have other oh. we have other questions, but I really I don't think I can. That was that was too good. That was I can't. I don't want to go back we into. We can it. end on that note. Absolutely, I don't want to. Yeah, I'll be like following up. Like yeah, I'll be like going on after like Justin Timberlake and being like, here's my song that I wrote. It's like nope, that was it. That was beautiful. All right, thank you so much for doing it at Mel's Moves. I'll link. I'll um, I'll find that YouTube video of your mobilization. Um, you said there are two of them, correct? Yeah, I'll send them over to okay, you. Okay, that, and I'll put all the other links as last time. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was inspiring. That was inspiring. All right. <laughs> you have a good one. You too. Right, have a good you. one. Bye. Peace.